You're good? Good. We're looking at the area, uh, ultimately, of prayer. I spoke last week about the two doors, which I'll explain a bit more in a moment. Uh, prayer is absolutely vital. Um, you can no more be a Christian than, and not pray than you can be a living human being and not breathe. Prayer is wrapped up in our thoughts and our words, not just in the moments when we are thinking, okay, now I'm praying, but imagine if everything you said was a prayer. That's why Jesus talks really quite scarily about every idle word and things like that. Our, our, our voices are powerful. Um, just, I think, here we go, got a, f- a few quotes about prayer. You ready? These, there are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit and defeats of the darkness that will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled and unceasing prayer. What about this one? Max Lucado. Our prayers may be awkward. Anybody sympathize with that, right? Our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Then we'll go back in time a little bit. Charles Spurgeon, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Oh, somebody grunt, right? Prayer is incredibly powerful. And uh, we started last week, and uh, what I really wanna do uh, for a few weeks is stir our prayer lives, our personal prayer life and our prayer life together because it's incredibly powerful and incredibly important. And what I'd like to do at the beginning of this session is I thought I'd interview someone who are, whose prayer life I know is amazing <laughs> because I used to live with this guy. And, uh, and um, so I thought, well, uh, Dad, I wanna interview you on Sunday about your <laughs> prayer life. And so I only picked on him the other day. Is that Because right? I, I think sometimes we need to hear it. Now, actually, my dad and I are wired extremely differently. So you'll hear a very different prayer life from him than my kind of prayer life. Um, but I think we need to learn from each other. Is that, is that right? And uh, so come on down, dad. Come on, dad. Let's. Let's. And I've got. Thanks, Nige. That's great. Nige has got a microphone for you. Just sit the side that makes Thank me look you. good. You, you go that side, because then, yeah. then it's my best side to the camera. You, you, have chairs for, you have chairs for the old ones. I know. <laughs> now, are we, am I all right on this one, Nigel? Is that okay? Great. Yeah. Um, hello. Good morning. I love my mum and dad. Aren't they great? And uh, I say that because it gives me a long life, you see. Honour your father and mother, yeah. your days may be long, you know. Yeah. So it's like taking a vitamin pill every time I say, yeah. you're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. According to the Bible. You know, that's cupboard love, don't you? Oh, sorry, all right. I've got, I've got, oh. All that experience came out. All right. What I remember about you when I was growing up is that you were a classic up early, creep downstairs and spend time with God person. Mm-hmm. Every morning, as far as I can remember, I'm sure there were mornings when you when you when you did roll over and you know when mm-hmm. it, when tiredness got got the better of you. But you you have a really disciplined prayer life. If it's still as disciplined as when I live with you, anyway, you know. <laughs> um, what do you do when you get up? Because that's one I I never crept into the room and found out what you did, and and but I knew you were open Bible and prayerful. What mm. do you what do you do when you have your personal time with God? Uh, well, that's changed. I mean, my first stab at prayer was 70 years ago. 
And um, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But basically, over the 70 years, I've not always got up at the crack of dawn. In actual fact, over the years, my when I pray in the day and where I pray has constantly changed. Of course, yeah. Because, of course, you go through different seasons. And uh, in some seasons, you know, if you're working shifts or something or whatever, whatever the routine of your life, you have to put your prayer in. And sometimes we get uh, as if we're trying to fit our prayer life into a busy life. But you get to the stage when you realize you've got to fit your busy life into your prayer life. Wow. So it's really, you don't stop praying. I want to tell you, I was, I was sat up there just a bit earlier on, and I was praying. And I was saying, uh, Lord, I could do with a bit of a word of knowledge now. Could you tell me what questions Jared's going to ask me in the interrogation? <laughs> I mean, interview. <laughs> You pray all the time. Yeah. Okay. It's just an expression because you're continuing a relationship with God. But 70 years ago, I was eight. And I know it was around this time of the year, or at least the long holidays, because uh, I just had a birthday and I had a toy pistol, you know, fired caps, bang, bang, yeah. for my birthday. And shortly after that, with a group of school friends, we were, as many of you have heard this before and read it probably, but uh, I'll tell you now because it's the beginning of my prayer life. And that's what we're talking about, right? And um, we were up in the woods uh, playing, you know, boys' games, creeping around through the bushes and trying to ambush each other. And it's like paintballing without the paintballs. You know what I mean? Oh, that's my kind of paintballing. Yeah. <laughs> and so we shout bang, bang, and then start an argument to see whether we got them or not, and so on. So, yeah, this is fine. But then, um, quite a, a while in, an hour or so into the game, I realized that my gun wasn't there. I'd lost my gun. And so um, I called my friends, and we spent an hour um, just quartering everywhere where we had played and where we had been to try and find the gun. And eventually, fruitlessly, we searched and searched. Eventually, the, uh, the friends had to go. Time was getting on and they had to go home for, to, to the village. And um, so I did another complete circuit of the wood on my own. Uh, and then I, I got to the middle of the wood and I remember the place stood on the path through the middle of the wood under an enormous beech tree. And the thought suddenly popped into my mind, eight years of age, I'll try prayer. <laughs> so stood there on the path, I closed my eyes, you know, like a, like a good little, well, I wasn't a Christian then, but you know, like you should. And um, I said uh, words to the effect of, God, can I have my gun back? And my eyes were fast closed. And then, having said that, I opened them and I found I was looking at my gun. And uh, it was there. And in fact, it wasn't on the floor, it wasn't away, it wasn't under anything. Uh, beside the path through the woods, two briars, stems had grown, two hoops that intersected, and on the thorny cross, lay my gun. 
Wow. And so I picked it up, stuffed it in my pocket and scampered home for tea. <laughs> Didn't even say thank you, I don't think. Well, I was a kid. But that, as you can tell, stuck with me for 70 years. God answers prayer with a miracle. Yeah. I think it was a miracle because I wasn't saved, I was a kid. And very often people who are just coming to God see miraculous answers to prayer. You know, later on we've got to learn patience as well. <laughs> but in the early days, you often see miracles happening. I mean, when children pray for each other in school to be healed and you see healings. God loves to answer the prayers of children. And there's a lesson there. Shall I tell you a bit more? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Problem was that once I got saved and baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and began to grow up in a church as a teenager, I was in a church that was that had a fiery Welsh congregation of terrific, eloquent prayers. So in the prayer meetings, people would get up and they would go into this amazing language, eloquence, King James Version, scripture after scripture after scripture. And you'd think they were in, performing in Nystedford, I mean, it was Welsh, you see. Uh, and so I got the impression in my teenage years that in order to pray, you had to be eloquent and, you know, scripturally wise and know everything, <laughs> you know? And um, so I, I tried a bit of that, and so I started trying to be sophisticated, like I came from Leeds or something. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and especially if I was the pastor, I thought I had to do eloquent prayers. But I want to tell you, I've grown up a bit since then. Yeah? And I've got to the stage now where if I feel I want to pray, I find myself a, a quiet spot, you know, secret place or whatever you want to call it. And I just lift the gaze of my spirit heavenwards and I say, dad, 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 dad. When I've finished saying father, I might go on to something even more childish, like You see, when your mind is not trying to strive to be eloquent, it gives room for your spirit to communicate. And communication is what it's all about. You see, we think of prayer as a transaction, you know? I give attention and praise to God and he gives me blessing and healing or whatever. Transaction, you know, give and take, tit for tat. Um, Satan sees prayer as military mobilization because when he sees a child of God at prayer, he gets a headache because he knows he's gonna get a drubbing soon. But although we see it as a transaction and Satan sees it as military warfare mobilization, I've realized that God sees prayer primarily as connection. He just wants to be with you. He just wants to be close, yeah? And so you can be close without talking much. 
Let the Holy Spirit do the talking, speak in tongues. It's your spirit in contact, connection with the mighty spirit who made us. Or as the scripture puts it, deep calls to deep. That's prayer. It's not the words, it's the spirit connection. Beautiful. Is that all right? Yeah, it's great. You love the Bible. Yes. How do you use the Bible in your prayer time or, or in general? Give us some Bible tips of how to, obviously there's, there's reading it, small yeah. amounts or large amounts, but how yeah. do you use the Bible beyond that? Prayerfully, I suppose you ought to say, because what you want is not just to understand the story. You want to watch for the way the Holy Spirit can take hold of a phrase, even a word sometimes. And all of a sudden, you're learning things, not in here, but somehow in here. Yeah? It's spirit stuff. And you see, the, the, the Bible is a closed book for people who don't have the Holy Spirit, who has uh, regenerated them and then completely filled and sort of baptized, inundated them, right? When you're full of the Spirit, then the Spirit can use almost any word out of the Bible hmm. to minister to you, to, yeah, let you know something, let you realize something, let you realize or have a revelation of something. So you use the Bible as, uh, right, Lord, here's something you could use to talk to me. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yes, I, I love the Bible, and I, love, I, I, I teach on its structure and the marvelous way it's put together, the supernatural book it is. But so far as personally, I just want God to talk to me Brilliant. out of it. Brilliant. Okay. I love that. All right, one more. Can you do one oh. more? Is that a, come on. No, no. So all of us either get tired or bored and, prayer and run out of energy for it and then mm. stop prioritizing it, perhaps because we don't feel very good at it. How do you, and that's true, I would think, for every single person on the, on the planet that, that wants to pray. Um, how do you get your prayer life back when you've lost it? When you've gone through a season of tiredness or, or, or boredom, you know, and the heart goes a bit cold, how do you get back to that place? Uh, I think, looking back, most of the time, um, God gets me back. <laughs> All right, I, I, that song, it's, it's, a, it's a song on an advert, has been going through my mind this morning. <laughs> when you fall, I will catch you. And when you fall out of yeah. contact with God, he's there to get you back. Beautiful. All right, so uh, it's not all down to you. God's the one who wants the, the connection more than you. Yeah. So if the connection's getting a bit weak, He'll let you go through things that'll reconnect. Sometimes it's almost like um, a, um, a little bit of hardship or something, you know. Something will happen and all of a sudden you're praying again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you fall, I will catch you. Yeah. He's got ways of doing it. Yeah, I love it. Is that I, right? Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, okay, we'll leave it there. Shall, we? Shall I do someone else next week? Why don't we do that? Thanks, Dad. Go on, go for it. Appreciate it. Love you. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That, that last little bit, I'm reminded when I was in, I remember being in Zululand, and um, 
uh, talking to a chief there, and one of the things they were doing in the village, I give it to James, that'll do, and um, they, would, they would make the, the young men sleep on the outskirts of the camp in the bush, and you say, why do you make all the young men sleep on the outskirts? You know, because there's wild animals and everything on that, and the, and the Zulu chief just says, oh, to keep them brave, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are things that keep us brave and keep us praying. Wesley used to say, if I didn't preach five times a day, I'd backslide. We all need the pressure of having to serve others, follow God, minister, and, and, and sometimes in hardship too. It drives us to our, our knees in prayer. And, um, but it, I love the point that God is chasing after connection with us more than we are. He, he, he wants us to do I think sometimes even when we call it prayer, I don't know, we come up with a whole dutiful wrong concept. It is relationship. And it needs to be a private and regular and uh, uh, have a sense of discipline to it. Yes, at times, because that's what keeps the other going, which is what we really want. It needs to be constant and relational and enjoyable. Uh, and so let me do uh, 20 more minutes on stuff, and then we're going to have a little pray. Is that okay? So let me just talk about these. The two doors this is what we looked at, at last week. And uh, I was bringing these two verses and another one together, but we'll probably concentrate on these two today. Revelation 4.1, there's, there's two doors in, in Revelation 3 and 4. And you've got this one in Revelation 4. After this, I looked, John says, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. The door of heaven is always open. Uh, when Jesus died, the veil was torn in two. Um, we don't really need to pray for an open heaven. What we need to pray for is an open heart. Uh, because that's the second door. Just before that verse in Revelation 4.1, you've got Jesus saying, here I am. I stand at the door. I stand at your door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, so it's the bit that we do, and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. There's, there's this whole concept of, I talked about shutting the door to the world because Jesus says, when we pray, go into your room and close the door. That's, again... To not get religious about it, what is he really saying? He's saying prayer requires focus. You know, so actually you can shut the door by going for a quiet walk in the country. It's shutting the door on the distractions of the world. It's switching off your phone. It's finding a little bit of a peaceful moment of the day, whatever the shape of your life is, to concentrate and focus on time with God. But then there's opening the door to heaven and saying, okay, God, I want to know you. We have access to our Father who is in heaven which is, of course, the start of, of the prayer. And so what we looked at last week, how do we open the door? Number one, longing. Our longing for God begins to push our door open. And there's this verse. Let's see if it comes up. Oh, here we go. Brilliant. Uh, and Because uh, I don't think I read a verse last week. I just told you the stories. But in John 7, 37 to 39, it says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty, everyone say thirsty, that everyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Our thirst connects us with God. And that's where I guess our boredom, our dullness, our distractions can fill us up with other stuff. And we lose that sense of, oh God, I want to know you. And I talked about the affection for God last week, that we need to stay in love with God. Yes. If all of this becomes a duty, we've, we've missed it, right? Um, but we come not to get a brownie point in heaven, 
Why do we gather together? To stir up our longing for God once again. So longing pushes open the door of our hearts to say, God, uh, I want to know you. And uh, I use this phrase, God doesn't always respond to need. He responds much more to longing. When we long, thirst, uh, is it Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, when our longings rise before God, God, I am not satisfied with four hours a night of TV. don't know how anybody could be satisfied with that anymore. There's just nothing on, is there? You're just going to watch BBC repeats. Um, but, you know, there's, there's nothing, if our lives are full of TV and sport and social media and just stuff. I mean, who knows, your life can be full of Brexit at the moment. I mean, you just have to turn it off in the end, don't you? I used to watch politics as a kind of a relaxing get-out thing because it's so different to the rest of my life. Now it just winds me up, you know. <laughs> Question time, I'd usually fall asleep to. Now at midnight, I'm like, for heaven's sake, you know, I mean, I want to go and drill some people. Um, so, we, you know, we can't even get away with that anymore. Uh, we've got to have enough emptiness to allow our longing for God to rise. So watch your heart. Only you can know. It's between you and God where your longing is for God. And, uh, uh, and so let longing open the door of your heart. Today, I want to talk, I've got to put my glasses on so I can see where I am. This kind of leads on to the next piece for me because he talks about thirst and coming to Jesus to drink. And that's what thirst and hunger and longing does in us. It draws us towards God at the heart level. He goes on to say, whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit. The second thing that I want to touch on today that opens the door to prayer is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When the spirit of God, is this on? Is it all right? It just seemed to change. Okay, can you hear me? All right. Um, the spirit of God enables us to pray. Let's catch something for a minute. Prayer is not something that we just do. Prayer is something that he must do with us. Prayer is better caught than taught. It's something of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and moving us. Catch this. Prayer is a spirit. Work with me for a minute. Isaiah 11, 1 to 3, it says, says this, so it's talking about Jesus. Then a shoot will spring up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel. Can you see that the spirit of the Lord is called lots of different things? The spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit does many things. Now catch this one here. It says, then I will pour out, Zechariah 12.10, then I will pour out on the house of David and on the people of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and prayer. Prayer is a spirit. It's the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, stirring us to prayer. And they will look on the one they have pierced. The Holy Spirit doesn't simply want you to pray to God. The Holy Spirit wants to come and pray with you and through you. Amen. Um, let's read a couple more, then we're going to put all this together into a point. Uh, Romans 8, 15 and 16. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Look at this. By whom we cry, Abba, 
Father. I mean, if that isn't the prayer we've just been hearing about from my dad, I don't know what is. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Prayer is a work of the Spirit of God in you. You need empowerment for prayer. And then the well-known one, just to carry on uh, through, in the same way, later on in Romans 8, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's work on this scripture for five minutes and then we're going to pray. Is that okay? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This literally means the Spirit helps us because we're feeble. Do you know what? This is the Apostle Paul talking. He's admitting he's got a feeble prayer life. Turn to the person next to you and say, hello, feeble one. Go on, go for it. (laughs) It's all right, you're allowed to. You're allowed to. It means this. Okay, I've been doing my Greek and my Hebrew bit this, this week. He helps us in our weakness. He helps us because we are impotent. Turn to the person next to you and say, hello, impotent one. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) less people did that there were some wives not turning to their husbands at that point since I could feel that in the room right something happens um, in prayer um, where he comes and, and enables us and causes us to pray where is it come on open up here here we go literally it means infirmity or want of strength we're not great at praying I remember in in Bible school, um, there was a a hero of mine called Dan Chesney, American uh, Bible lecturer, and he used to pray. He went through this time for about eight years when he prayed for eight hours a day. Can you believe it? I don't know where he got the time from. Um, And I always thought this was amazing when I was in Bible school, and I always wanted to be like Dan Chesney. He had these business cards, and he was kind of preaching like this with a light from behind his head. I wanted that too. I thought, he's a man of God. I love it. And so I remember one day I decided I'm going to be like Dan Chesney. I thought, I'm going to pray like him, so that must mean I've got to get up about five o'clock in the morning and start then. So up I get at five o'clock, and I'm I'm going for it in tongues for about 20 minutes, and then two hours later, I wake up. (laughs) And and of course, like we so are when we think, oh, it'd be so awesome to be like this person here or this person there that has done this incredible thing, and then we discover we just can't do it. So I thought, well, I'm going to try harder the next day, so I got to put four, you know, and, and again, I woke up at eight, Again, disappointed in myself that I really, uh, and I I had to start admitting to God, God, I'm really not very good at this prayer thing. I sleep so easily. And can I be honest? It's a bit boring. How on earth does he do it for eight hours? I could not understand how we prayed for eight hours a day for eight years. But here was this man of God. But you know what? You've heard me say this saying before. If you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he had some help. If you see someone praying for eight hours a day for eight years, something went on that was more than a man coming up with something dutiful to do. The spirit of prayer came upon him. And it was just after that time when I was so disappointed, and sometimes it works to get to a real place of where you're really at. That's why I say dreadfully honest things like, you know what, sometimes prayer is boring. Do you know why? Because God's power is made perfect in weakness. It's only when we admit weakness It's why I'm I'm quite an honest preacher, because I find immense power from heaven when I'm honest. He comes at you. If you're going to be honest about what you really are, I'll come and empower you to be what I really am. That's the whole deal. 
So I'm quite happy to say I'm feeble at prayer. That's why I, I actually love prayer because he's put a love in me for prayer that I know is not of Jared Cooper. So it was just weeks after that great disappointment that suddenly the Holy Spirit came to me and, and it came in a Thursday night worship service and I, I, I booked this little prayer retreat um, for the weekend and the glory of God came into the room for eight hours and spoke to me and I was all snot and tears and having this encounter. Then I got back to the Bible school and I thought, well, what happens next? And the moment I closed my bedroom door, the glory of God rolled into that little room again. And for four hours, I encountered God again. And that went on for three or four months. And it was like, okay, Jared, you don't need to be Dan Chesney. Okay, you're not American. There's lots of things that you're not that Dan is. You're Jared. Forget their picture of life here I want to encounter you. And so a spirit of prayer in my weakness came to visit me. I say a spirit of prayer, the Holy Spirit came to fill me and cause me to pray. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and he picks up what we can't do. So the sooner we start to go, not very good at this prayer thing, God, strength begins to come and help us. Not very good at it, but want to be. Really frustrated about me that I'm feeble and impotent. God, come and help me to pray. I need the oil of your presence because prayer is not a duty I do. It's a relationship I enjoy. And I've got to be honest, God, I need to get a line to where you come and help me do this prayer thing. So the sooner we admit that we're feeble, impotent, frail, we don't have the strength to do it, is when we begin to go, okay, Holy Spirit, come and help me. And it says, we do not know how to pray. Oh, thank goodness, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Absolutely. And it says, as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings. I like that. The Spirit himself. Everybody say, the Spirit, the Spirit. himself intercedes. So I started to dig into that word. The word intercedes there is the word at the top. Hooper enchuchano. It sounds like some kind of pasta dish, doesn't it? Can I have the hooper enchuchano, please, with the garlic bread on the side? You know, come on, everybody say it. Hooper enchuchano. I dare you to go to a restaurant for lunch today and order a hooper and tugchano somewhere. Literally, makes intercession is the word hooper and tugchano. Do you want to know what it means? It's awesome. I love it. It means this. The first part of it, the hooper, is this. It means mega exceedingly. It's one of those lavish, over-the-top words of God, the hooper bit. It means mega. Everybody say mega. In other words, there's, there's lots of this. It's not just a little bit. Not just a smidgen, not just a, a teaspoon to get you through, but God is incredibly powerful at doing this. The second part of the word means this. So it's mega exceedingly right with you. Right next to you. Literally, it means comes into position next to your life. Okay? So when he prays, it's mega exceeding power right with you. And this is what the end of the word means to make you hit the target. Oh. I'm too feeble to pray, but the Holy Spirit is mega exceedingly right with me to make me hit the target. Come on, somebody. It's about as good as it's going to get this morning. Come on. Loads of the Holy Spirit, lavish amounts of the Holy Spirit 
right with me, right next to me, literally takes a position holding me. It means this. Do you know when you're, when you're pushing a car and you can see someone on their own trying to push a car and there's a pregnant lady behind the seat? Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And the, and, and, and the hubby's just behind. And, and, and then three other guys run up and start to push. That's what it means. We're positioning ourselves right alongside. You started to push, then all of a sudden, things started to move. The Holy Spirit comes right alongside you in mega exceeding abundance. And the reason is to make you hit the right target. Years ago, uh, uh, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, um, uh, no nice way to put this, he left his wife and ran off with another woman. And this guy had been in ministry and he was a, a dear friend. And of course, so we were all heartbroken. The family's all heartbroken. It hit all of the community I was in at the time. And we were, we were praying in all the different ways that you pray, quiet, loud, grieving, all sorts, praying away. And this went on for three, four, five months. And with all of our different prayers and all of our types of intervention, absolutely nothing would work. And I remember about five months later, and if anything, you know, after a while, your prayers start to calm down, don't you? And you realize, I don't know if this is going to get fixed or anything that's going to happen now. This is just, it's gone. So you prayed every now and then when it came to mind. But I was lying in bed one night, and I woke up about midnight, and I just began to cry. I, I woke up to, and I don't mean a nice little tear. I mean guttural sobs as I'm lying in bed. And I don't even know what I'm crying about. So I'm going, God, what on earth is going on as I'm crying and weeping? And then he said, you're praying for this man. I'm like, am I? So then I roll out of bed onto my knees and just carry on crying. And of course, the crying of the spirit overtakes the crying of the flesh. And suddenly I'm all just snot and tears. And I cry for a couple of hours about this whole situation. And I groan, as the scripture says. And I sigh. And I'm like, I don't even know what to pray, God. But ah! And I'm praying. And then after a couple of hours, wipe my tears and wipe my snot away and roll back into bed and fall asleep. Then I wake up the next morning and I, well, God, what was that? What do I do? And God just said to me, write to him. It's like five months on. Like, what do I write? Write a letter of love. So I just wrote this letter of love about, you know, yes, the pain and the difficulty and all that had gone on, but we loved him. And if he would come back to God and come back, there would be forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. And so I've written this letter, then I suddenly remember, well, I don't know where he is. The only address I've got is his wife's. And of course, this is, this is the dumbness of a 21-year-old. I thought, well, I'll just post it to his wife then. I don't, she'll know where he is. And I, so I didn't think it through, but that worked. I put her address on it. I put his name on it, and I put a stamp on it and put it in the post. Three days later, I get a message. He said, the day I came back to my wife, the first thing waiting in the hall was your letter. My wife accepted me back, but I also wondered, what about all my friends? What about all the people that this has affected so deeply? And so the first thing handed to me after the first conversation was, this has come for you today. He opened it, and there it was. If you will come back to your wife, your friends will all forgive you, and we can move on. God has more for you. Do you know that man is in ministry today, and completely restored, and has been in ministry restoring families for several decades now? 
there comes a moment when our prayers run out and he hears the intention of our prayers. God, I wish you would. Would you do this? Would you do that? But there comes a moment when the Holy Spirit has to come and with mega exceeding power, come right alongside us to make us hit the target. It's what the Holy Spirit does. He is the spirit of prayer, lifting our prayer lives to a different level. And I want us, as we're closing this morning, slowly, uh, I want us to spend some moments asking for the Holy Spirit to richly fill us, asking for the help of the Holy Spirit to come and carry us, to cause our prayer lives to come to a different level. I don't know about you, every day I need the mega exceeding, right with you, power of God, to help me to hit the target. We can't pray on our own. We can't. The sooner we admit it, the easier this will all get. But when we say, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me to pray. Lift me in my prayers. It's not brownie points of how many verses in the Bible or how many missionaries I've prayed for. I want the adventure of a prayer life with you, not just to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Amen?